This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Y'all doing all right today? You know, this is the day the Lord's made, so what are we going to do? Yeah, we're going to rejoice and we're going to be glad. Hallelujah. I tell you, we are the most privileged people on the planet to know Him. Hallelujah. To have a relationship with the King and to be able to worship Him in spirit and in truth. You know, for a lot of years, I didn't have that opportunity. I didn't know Him. You know, as an adolescent and even as a younger child, I never knew Jesus. But boy, when I got saved, thank you, Lord. Because for the first time in my life, I knew He was real. It wasn't religion, but it was reality. And Jesus came for you and I so that we could live. He said, I came so that you could have life and life more abundant. So we can rejoice in that today. Amen. Praise God. You ought to just lift one hand toward heaven and just thank him a little bit because you're a participant in the life of God. Glory to God. Heaven will be your home. You won't wind up in hell. Hallelujah. I mean, that's something to rejoice about. Are you listening to me? And we owe him our lives. Did you know that? The Bible says that you and I have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. He gave his life so that we could live. And we should honor that. We should revere what it is that Christ did. Amen? A lot of times you don't see much reverence in, in the body of Christ. And it's, it's to be regretted because we're not mindful of what it is that he did for us. So thank God we can come today and be reminded, and not only that, but acknowledge what it is that Jesus did for us. Amen? Did you all bring a Bible with you this morning? Let's open our Bibles to the book of Esther, <clears throat> chapter 4. You say, where in the world is that? Well, it's back there somewhere. <laughs> Esther, chapter 4. Actually, let's see, how's that go? Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. So if you can kind of get in there somewhere. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lemon. I did learn one thing in church, the books of the Bible. Hallelujah. All right. Nehemiah, Esther, chapter 4. Praise God. Y'all ready to receive this morning? Praise God. Now, I know you got things going on, parties go to, and graduations celebrate, and, and I don't know, whatever else is going on today, but let's just kind of focus in on Him right now, okay? Let's pray. Father, we love you so much today. We're grateful for your blessing in our lives. And Father, we know that it was not in vain what Jesus did in the giving of His life so that we could live. We're here today, Father, because of Him. And all that he has done and provided for us, so that your blessing, Father God, may rest upon the church. And you said in your word that, <clears throat> hallelujah, heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never, ever pass away. And Father, you said that upon the revelation of Jesus, that you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So Father, we thank you for the legacy of what it is that Jesus has done and the inheritance that has become ours. And Father, that which we have to look forward to, hallelujah, in the life that is to come. So God, help us to live acceptably before you all the days of our lives. And Father God, I thank you that in doing so that our lives will be blessed because of your goodness and mercy. 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I want you to notice here with me in Esther uh, chapter 4. Many of you probably know this story, but I want to just pull one particular phrase out of verse 14 at the very end of that verse. I want you to notice the, the phrase or the statement where it says, And who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. The New King James says it this way, Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom or this royal position for a time such as this. This morning I want to talk to you a little bit about divine destiny. The reality is, is that for each and every one of us, there is a divine purpose and there is a divine destiny upon our lives. We're not here by happenstance. We're not here, you know, just because somebody decided we should show up. You were created by God for a divine purpose. And what a wonderful thing it is for you and I to be in pursuit of what it is that, that he has called us to. You know, this, this week, of course, maybe last week and maybe the week to follow, there's a bunch of people going to be graduating and they're going to be launching off out into a, a new chapter of their lives. Uh, some will be going to college. Perhaps some will have vocations. Some may be working alongside their family members in a business that they own. Who knows? All different kinds of things that will be occurring. And, uh, but the reality is, is that none of us really know where we're going. Thanks for your excitement. You know, you, you know, we were at a couple parties, and one of the, ind- the individuals was saying, you know, we said, you know, it's, of course, the, uh, the obvious question, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And, you know, and they're all going, how do I know, man? I'm 18 years old. You know what I'm saying? But many times, you know, they'll, they'll have um, some form of idea, whatever it is that's going to be going on in their life. But, but the reality is, you don't, you don't know everything about what's going on within your life. The Bible says <clears throat> that by faith, when Abraham was called to go out and inherit a land that he would receive, the Bible says he went out not knowing where he was going. And that's really the life of faith. It's simply placing our lives within his hands and saying, God, you're the one that gave form and shape to me. You're the one that created me, and you've got a plan for me. So help me, Father, to pursue that plan. It may be the best homemaker on the planet, I remember one time there was a, a gal, she was praying, she had four sons, and uh, <clears throat> she was praying and said, God, what am I to do with these, these boys that you have given me? And, she, and, and he said, I want you to make champions out of them. And I tell you what, praise God, she did a pretty good job. And, um, and the reason I say that is, is one of them was Kelly Dunnick, who uh, gave shape and form and started the ministry in Samoa that now his wife, Patty, is carrying on and doing an incredible job. They went to two islands here recently and got 25% of the population saved. They had never heard of Jesus. So, you know, for all that money that we invest in that boat, it's going to places that you and I would never, ever go to to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The uttermost parts of the world. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? But again, you know, the point being is, is that there are things that God has designed for each and every one of us, and we just need to pursue what it is that he's called us to do. 
So I'd simply say to you that there is a divine destiny and a purpose upon each and every one of us. It's not fate. It's not coincidence. But it is divine design. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and 16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth. How many of you are on the earth? So you're part of his creation, right? It goes on to say, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created through him, and listen, for him. You were created for him. Now, you may not think about that. When I was a kid growing up, I didn't have any clue that I had been created for God. I was just doing life like everybody else, you know, and trying to figure it out. And thank God, you know, I was no mistake. Now, I wasn't planned, but I wasn't a mistake. Aren't you glad? Huh? I'm glad. Yeah, amen. No, my parents, you know, they had their four kids. They had three boys and finally got their girl. And, you know, kind of like it always happens, we're done. Well, maybe not. About 10 years later, bum, 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 you're I.K. So I don't want you to ever think in your life that no matter where it is that you came from, that you were a mistake. You were not. You may not have grown up in the best of circumstances, and the circumstances of your having been born may not have been very glorious, but there is a divine purpose in every life for what it is that he's called us to do. Are you listening to me? And sometimes, you know, we, we, we struggle with these matters, but because of feeling unloved or unwanted or whatever the case might be, but God wanted you, and that's all that's really important. And God can take your life and redeem it out of the mess maybe that you were brought up in or born into or whatever the case might be. You know, some of us, you know, we've grown up in homes that are reasonably functional. Others of us have grown up in homes that they're not very functional at all. But you know, God always has a plan for every person. And the reason for the dysfunction, of course, is because of sin. Because the Bible says that sin brings or leads to death. It destroys. But thank God Jesus came as a redeemer to care for the problem of sin so that you and I could live. Can you all say hallelujah? I tell you what, we can rejoice in that. So we were created for him. You know, in Jeremiah chapter 1, when God was speaking to Jeremiah, he made this statement, before I formed you in the womb, before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So, you know, people are always having the whole idea, you know, when is the you know, beginning of life? Well, I'm telling you this much about it. God has a plan for every, every person before conception. Huh? I mean, if you want to get, you know, if you want to go uh, roll back in the pages a ways, you know. And so thank God we can rejoice in that. You know, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and this is a very powerful thought, he made this statement. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Everybody say, I'm chosen. You are chosen. A lot of times we don't think of ourselves that way, but I'm telling you what, God chose you. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I ordained or appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Everybody say, I'm a fruit bearer. Yes, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. 
I'd like for you to turn with me again now. Hold your finger here. We'll probably maybe come back here. But let's go to Jeremiah chapter 29. I use this scripture often, but it bears repetition, especially in the context of what we're talking about here this morning. Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, if you can find that in your Bibles or on your device. Notice what it says here. <clears throat> I'm reading from the King James. It says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. So who's doing the talking here? The Lord is. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. In other words, he not only has created us with divine purpose, but it's our Father's intent to see that purpose fulfilled all the way through. We talked last week about Uzziah, and the Bible says as long as he sought the Lord, the Lord caused or made him to prosper. Now, he got lifted up in pride, and all of a sudden, you know, the plan or the purpose of God got short-circuited, if you want to call it that. And so the latter years of his life were not that good, even though he reigned for 52 years. But as long as he sought God, the Bible says that God made him to prosper. Now, the New Living, or the New International uh, Version says it this way, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you shall seek me and find me when you seek or search for me with all your heart. How many of you know God wants to have a relationship with you? No, he doesn't want to have a relationship with you through your grandma. He doesn't want to have a relationship with you through your mom or your dad. He wants to have a relationship with you. Hallelujah. And he has a plan for you. And we can see in these scriptures just a little bit of what it is that he has as an ideal for each and every one of our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe the Bible. Huh? And he said, I've got plans for you, <clears throat> not to harm you. That was a revelation to me. Because when I was on the backside of Christ, and I was a sinner, I realized that I was not in right relationship with God. How many of you remember that? You know, so <clears throat> when you're there, <clears throat> there's not much confidence. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of fear. But when it says in this verse of Scripture that my purpose is not to harm you, that was overwhelmingly powerful within my life. Because I began to see for the first time that God was not my enemy, but rather that God was for me. You know, Paul wrote, and he said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Everybody say, the Lord is on my side. He's on your side, whether you believe that or not. Well, you know, a lot of times people will judge God's willingness to help, promote, deliver, uh, bless, whatever, on the basis of their personal experience. In other words, they'll say, well, that's not the way it's worked out for me, or it's not the way it worked out for this person or that. <clears throat> well, there are a lot of unknowns, you know, where people's lives are concerned, but God's word is still true. And so we still have to settle within our heart, though we may not understand everything that goes on within the world in which we live, God is still faithful. Can you say amen? amen. You know, we live in a fallen world. 
And there are a lot of things that go on within this world that certainly are not of God. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, God's in control. And I get that because he is. You know, when it's all over with, praise God, he's going to have his final say, isn't he? But yeah, right on the other hand, sometimes that, that phrase can be um, a bit misguided. Because a lot of times people will say, well, just everything that is occurring within this world is somehow under God's control. Well, there's a lot of things that are going on in this world that are not. The, the, I mean, God's not the author of them at all. The Bible talks about the God of this world. Huh? You know, who goes about seeking whom he may devour. Now, it's not the will of God for people to be devoured. Are you listening to me? No, the Bible says that he sent Jesus so that he, because he was not willing that any should perish, but all should come. Glory to God. Everybody say everybody. everybody. Yeah, that all should come. Now, of course, as we uh, know from the scriptures and things, not everyone's going to do that. But at least, <laughs> at least we have the opportunity uh, to glorify him. Glory to God. You know, can I, can I talk to you about a little bit from just a little side journey? Is that all right? A rabbit trail? I want to talk to you about the amazing grace and the glory of God. His glory in the earth and how magnificent it is. How it's represented in each and every one of you that have been blood washed and blood bought. It is an incredible thing because, you know, it is so becoming or fitting of our Heavenly Father to do what it is that he has done. You say, well, what did he do? Well, he took something that was disgraced, something that was, could be considered worthless by others, and then to say, no, we're going to do something about the condition of man. We're going to do something that will change the path of their life and the destiny that is in each and every one of them. And he sent Jesus so that you and I would not have to die in our sin, so that we could live acceptably unto him and to honor him as the king. And you know, the thing about it is, everyone, we were so undeserving. None of us deserved what Jesus did. And yet he was willing to give his life in a time generations prior to this, before he ever knew us, so that we'd be here today honoring the king. You know, he's coming again. Huh? In the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, when the writer of Hebrews was um, penning this, he said, for it was fitting or proper or becoming that God for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. And that's why he's not ashamed to call them brothers saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation while I sing your praise. And in another place he says, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children 
share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Aren't you glad this morning, praise God, that you're no longer, you know, bound by a lifelong fear of being a slave to sin? You know, there are people in this world that don't know God, and they may not put on, you know, that they're afraid, but I'm telling you, when they get in the secret place of their own life, they're concerned about their future. And they wonder, and here's the thing, they don't have an answer. And it is that fear that binds us to sin, or because of sin, I should say, that causes men and women to be slaves. Aren't you glad this morning, thank God, you're no longer a slave? Glory to God, because we know, why? That our Redeemer lives, and that glory to God, one day He's coming again to receive receive us unto Himself. I use this scripture often, but it bears again repetition. Hallelujah. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and to them that look for him. How many of you are looking? To those that look for him. Is he going to appear a second time without sin? In other words, his first coming was for the purpose of dealing with sin, and he got the job done. But this next time, he's coming for salvation, for the redemption of all mankind, for you and me. Glory to God. So we can rejoice. Does that mean that we're not going to have challenges in life? Probably not. But thank God we've got the greater one in us to help us, to come to our aid. Glory to God. He said that he would be with you in trouble. Amen. That's kind of nice to know when you're in trouble, isn't it? Huh? Glory to God. But he's coming soon. Let me ask you a question. What if he came this September? What? What if he came in September? What would you do differently? Huh? I bet you'd live a little different if you knew, in fact, that he was coming in September. I bet your life would change a little bit. Maybe we'd make a few adjustments. Huh? What if he comes sooner? Well, no, man. I I got my plans. I got my things I'm doing, you know, and whatever. Well, it's all right to have your plans and your things and whatever it is that you're doing, but let's make sure that those aren't the things that are the most important in our life. He's the most important thing, or should be, within our lives. Because whatever it is that you're doing, you're not taking with you. Huh? Hallelujah. Well, thanks for your excitement on that point. Let's go back to your destiny. Let's talk about that. You know, one of the things that we realize from the scriptures is, is that God's divine destiny and his purpose for our life is realized or manifested in each of our lives by our obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. You'll never know God's plan for your life unless you're willing, praise God. He said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Amen? Amen. And so obedience becomes a big part of our being able to realize the destiny God has in our life. Do you know that a lot of people, they live and die, and they never realize, they never know God's plan for their life. 
You know, God will come into each person's life and give opportunity to them. And it's a, it's a moment, it's an opportunity, and they're faced with a decision as to whether or not they would respond to that or whether they would reject it. That's the way it goes. Huh? You know, they may harden their hearts. They may say, no, I'm not interested. I thank God, you know, I was an idiot before I got saved. And people would tell me I needed Jesus. And I knew it was true. But for stupid reasons, I said, well, no, I don't don't know that I'm ready for that because, well, after all, if I did that, then I'd have to give up what I'm doing. That was the smartest thing that ever happened in my life because everything that I was doing was killing, stealing, and destroying my life. But you know, when you're blinded by the God of this world, you don't know the difference. But somehow or another, God was able to capture my heart and say, Son, I got a plan for your life if you will just give me yours. And thank God I was smart enough to make that decision. Unconditionally, without reserve. That's the thing, you know, a lot of folk, you know, they say, well, you know, how about this much? Can we make a deal here? It's not the way it works. You know, really with God, it's either all or nothing at all. Well, I have my way about thinking about this, you know, so I'm just going to kind of, you know, whatever, roll with that. You may want to rethink that. Are you listening to me? And so we don't want to be a part of the people that never see God's plan realized. And a lot of times it's just personal agenda. You know, this is what I want. Well, he gives you that right, but consider it. You know, you think about all the people, characters, you know, like in the Bible, for example, like Caesar, you know, blind ambition, you know, uh, all the power. We talked about Uzziah. You know, as long as he sought God, it was great. But all of a sudden, he got lifted up in pride and decided he didn't need God. Guess what? You need God as long as you're on this planet and afterwards. Are you with me? Or you can look at Herod. You can look at different ones. Uh, Caiaphas, you know, Pilate. Here's these people. Religious men in positions of great power where religion is concerned. And they crucified Jesus Christ and didn't even know what they were doing until it was over. That's what sin will do. And it causes great pain and great suffering when we decide that we're not going to follow him. But then there's others that go through life, you know, not knowing or without knowing, ignorant of God's plan, uh, you know, for their lives until they discover it. Aren't you glad you discovered it? You know, some of your kids probably grew up in our children's church and, you know, have known Christ from day one. I mean, you know, an age of accountability and understanding. But a lot of us didn't have that. And so we can thank God for what it is that we've come to know. You think about that, you know, until discovery. Think about Saul, who later became Paul. Here's a guy, man. I mean, you talk about ambition. You know, he was going to snuff out the Christians He was on his way to Damascus, and all of a sudden there came this encounter that he had with God. And he said, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, Jesus is talking, but Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus per se. He was persecuting the church. He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus who you persecute. You know, when the church gets persecuted by the world, the world is persecuting him. Well, you know, from that day on, that man's life got changed forever. Hallelujah. And he discovered that God had a plan for his life. 
And so, you know, others, they discover and they obey. And, you know, I mean, and you say, well, what do you mean by this whole destiny thing? Well, some of you, you know, it's just like that, that mother that I was talking about when she asked the Lord, what should I do with these four boys of mine? And he, and he said, you pour your life into them to make them champions. You know, moms, you know, I mean, praise God, you're some of the most important people on this planet. Except a lot of people don't realize it. Dad's you without question, are some of the most important people on this planet where your kids are concerned. We can look at culture and society today, and we see that in the absence of fathers, we have such problems. People that are at risk for failure all over the place because they never had someone to guide them and to direct them. To teach them, you know, godly principles. To show them different ethics in their lives, to be respectful, to teach their children to work. A lot of kids don't want to work. Parents, if you're here, please make them work. They will not die, even though they think so. There's a lot more I could say about that, but then we really get off subject. There's people that God, I believe with all my heart, have been called as financiers of the gospel. God has put you in a position, not so that you can heap it up and consume it upon your own lust, but so that you can be the funnel through which God uses to get the gospel preached all over the world. I mentioned to you Patty Dunnick, or Akui now, you know, and different things that are going on in the world. I just got an email from... Um, Matt and Julie uh, Beamer in Lebanon, and they've outgrown the place where they uh, hold their school there, and they need a bigger building. Well, you know, it costs money to build a building or get a bigger one, and thank God we can be an instrument, and we're going to be an instrument through which God uses to help make that happen so that the people of that nation in that world or that area can hear the gospel. Are you with me? I believe that. I believe people, you know, if you read in uh, when Paul was writing, he talked about those, you know, that really have been called to give. And so if that happens to be you, you say, well, I, I, I'd like to be that guy. Well, you sure can be. Start with where you are. Well, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I mean, you know, I got I to gotta have all kinds of everything. And so I can do that. Start with where you are. Thanks for your excitement. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You know, it's, it's like uh, Joe Morris said, it's a great statement. He just said, God, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. You're not created to be a dam. You're created to be a conduit through which God can use to make a difference in the world. So, and then there's preachers. Did you know that God called preachers? Huh? I'm one of them. You know, when I got saved, even when I got saved, I thought, you know, if anybody would have said, well, you're going to be a preacher, I would have said, you are out of your mind. No concept whatsoever. Even when I answered the call, you know, in that little church up in Woodbine, Iowa on June the 11th, way back in 1977, I didn't have a clue. But praise God, I was willing. And so we obeyed. We, I say we, I'm talking about her. I've been dragging her around for 40-some years through all of this. You know, God bless her. Praise God. But you know, we must never allow hell 
who is always working to thwart the will of God within our lives. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. You know, you think about different things um, that happen within our lives that, that are defining. Remember Cain and Abel. Here's two brothers. And evidently they knew the, the, the terms of their offering. But Cain decided, I ain't giving God what he wants. I'm going to give him what I want. Now the Bible says, you know, that uh, his brother got the very best, the first fruits of his flocks, and gave them to God. How many of you know God wants your best? You know, we don't have any problem wanting God's best. You want God's best? You got to give him your best. Are you with me? And so the ground rules were laid, but Cain says, no, I ain't doing that. I'm going to give you some onions, a few heads of lettuce, and a little cabbage. Get happy. Well, God visited him. He said, why are you so angry? You know, that's what sin does. Sin causes us to think we know everything and that whatever it is that we're going to do is by our choosing, not somebody else's. And so God just approached him and said, why are you angry? You know, and this is what he said to them in Genesis chapter four and seven. He said, you know, the innocent in essence, he said, you know, the ground rules here. So in verse seven, he says, if you do well, will it not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and that sin's desire is contrary to you. Listen, but you must rule over it. How many of you know we're, we, we have a choice as to how we'll live and what we'll do? Hallelujah. Now let's go back to Esther and uh, uh, cousin Mordecai. Remember that? That was our text. Let's go back there for just a moment as we come to a, well, I, I'll toot my horn here first uh, as horn. My, what's, what's a train have? Whistle. That's right. Whistle. And uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just... I'm not stopping. I'm just kind of getting ready to stop. Think of it as, you know, us passing by a railroad crossing and we're just notifying everyone that we're there. But we're still on our way to the end or to the stop. Does that work? All right, thanks. I'm sorry I went off on some great big explanation. How many of you know the story of Esther? She was raised by her uh, first cousin, Mordecai. Her parents uh, had died um, prematurely, obviously, and so he was tasked with raising this girl. And uh, what happened was, is King Ahasuerus uh, had a, the queen's name was uh, Vashti, and uh, she must have been a piece of work. That's all I can say. We don't have a lot of definition to her, but they were having a 180-day party, and on some week during this whole gig, uh, the king decided that he wanted the queen to present herself so that everyone could see her beauty and so on and so forth. Well, you know, I can see where she may have felt as though she was used or whatever, but after all, he's the king. This is a patriarchal kind of culture and things like that, and you don't say no. But she said no. And it did not make the king very happy. 
So he consults with all of his wise men and says, what do you think we ought to do? And one of them speaks up and says, dude, we don't want to let this happen because if it happens here, it's going to happen here and it's going to be all over. You know, he, he reigned over like 130, 28 providences. I mean, he had a huge uh, empire, if you want to call it that. Well, anyway, she said no. So they said, well, what you need to do is cut her off. Don't ever let her see the king again. He said, good idea. And, you know, so he cuts her off. Well, then he's thinking about her, and everybody can kind of see he's kind of, you know, not in the best of moods. And they said, hey, king, maybe what we ought to do is, you know, go look out throughout the realm and see if we can find the, the very best of all the women, virgins in the, in the realm, and bring them by here, you know, and uh, see what you think, and maybe we can find one in that group that we can make queen. He says, good idea. Let's do that. And so they did that. And this process somehow or another, ends up bringing Esther into this mix. The Bible says she was a very beautiful woman. And, uh, you know, they were allowed to bring before the king whatever it is that they wanted, you know, in order to try to impress him. And, uh, you know, when she was asked, she says, well, you know, whatever, whatever is required, I'll take that. So the person that was, you know, helping guide her, she just took what was required. She didn't take anything extra. She just, you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. And the Bible says that the favor of God came upon this woman, and the king chose her to become his queen. Now, we're talking about divine destiny. Here's a, a little, you know, Jewish girl minding her own business and gets swept up in this whole gig, and before you know it, she ends up being the queen to the king. Well, now, there was a guy by the name of uh, Haman. Everybody say, he's bad. He was bad. And he didn't like the Jews. You know, you talk about anti-Semitic uh, behavior. It's so uh, ungodly and devil spirit driven. And it's been going on forever. Because God has chosen these people in order to get his covenant fulfilled through them. And that's why hell does everything it can to try to destroy them. So here we are, I mean, you know, thousands of years prior to what you and I have experienced in the generation behind us, but still the same devil trying to destroy the Jews. And here's the thing about it is, is if Haman, who was used of the devil, could have accomplished that, then he could have perhaps broken the plan and the covenant that God had. Now that you know that wasn't going to happen, but he was sure trying. Y you with me? So anyway, <clears throat> Haman decides, you know, he, he cozies up to the king and says, you know, there's, there's some people in your realm that they're bad news. You know, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't uh, comply, you know, with your wishes and things like that. And, O oh, king, since you are so great, I'd like to be the one that goes out and just cleans house, and we'll kill them all. And then when we do that, we'll just take whatever it is that they have, and it'll become a part of our provision. Well, he consented to doing that. So all of a sudden now, we've got a problem because he's about to wipe everybody out. Mordecai is aware of it. Now, this is, again, Esther's cousin who had raised her, and he knew that she was in the palace. So she had a, he had a messenger to go to her and say, dude, you better do something. Now, let's back up here, and uh, let's start with uh, verse 9, chapter 4, verse 9. It says in uh, Hatach, 
uh, came to Esther and told the words of Mordecai. And again, Esther spoke to Hatach and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. And this is what she said. All the king's servants and the people of the king's providences do know that whoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king unto the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of uh, his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to the house uh, of the king for 30 days. And they told this to Mordecai. Uh, uh, or I'm sorry, and Morde- let's see. And they told Mordecai Esther's words, verse 13. So Mordecai sends a message back and says, "Listen, <laughs> think not with thyself that you will escape in the king's house more than any of the rest of the Jews." In other words, he was just saying, "If you think you're protected, I want you to know you're not." Okay? And sometimes that happens in our lives, and I'm, I'm, I'm working to a point. But notice what goes on then to say in verse uh, 14. For if thou altogether hold your peace at this time, then their enlargement, or in other words, we could say a deliverance, will come from some other place. But you and your father's house will be destroyed. And who knows whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so Esther just, you know, sent the runner back and said, y'all praying fast, I'm going to do it. Aren't you glad she did it? Huh? All right, you say, well, what's the point to all of this? The point is simply this. When it comes to God's destiny and his plan for your life, sometimes there are difficult decisions that you have to make. Huh? They're right decisions. They're righteous. They're godly. They're just. But if you don't make the right decision, you can end up someplace where you don't want to be. And essentially, he just said, you're there for a time like this. If you don't do this, God will deliver us some other way. But he's the instrument that he wants to use. You're the instrument that he wants to use. And she said yes. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad she said yes? Yes. Amen. And so there was a divine destiny upon Esther's life. She never knew this as a child. She didn't know it before she became the queen. She didn't know anything about it. And even after the queen, after she became queen, she didn't know what would be laid upon her, you know, with regard to God's plan and destiny for her. And so sometimes there are those tough decisions on the road to the will of God in each of our lives. Many of you have had that chance. I remember when my wife decided that she was no longer going to date me but follow Jesus. You know, that wasn't an easy decision. But I thank God she made it. Because if she hadn't, if she'd acquiesced, if she'd end up back where I was, then we may not be here today. Everybody say, thank you, Joan. Yeah, amen. Glory to God. Are you listening to me? You know? Um. I think about when we first started the church, the social opposition that we faced. I, you cannot believe. People thought we were a cult. Back in 1978, there was no word of faith. You know, there was nobody preaching that God's plan for your life is to give you life and life more abundant and that he wants to prosper you and cause you to be victorious in life. Now, they didn't hear that message. They just thought we were a cult, you know. You talk about having a hard time winning friends and, or <laughs> making friends and win, influencing people. We had it. And we could have quit. 
Even to this day, I'm sure there are people who think, well, I don't know anything about that deal. You know, I wonder what's going on there or whatever. You know, they ought to seek and they would find. Huh? But in the beginning, thank God for the wonderful people that surrounded us, that held up our hands and said, you know what, we're going to make it. You're going to make it. God's going to do great things. Think about that. Think about everything that's gone on in this building. Well, not just this building, but this place in the last four decades, over 40 years. Thousands of people have come and been ministered to, have been blessed, have been encouraged. I just talked to someone here recently, came to one of our uh, Raising the Bar events uh, five years ago and got saved at that event. You know, and we think about all the work and everything that we had to do to make that happen. It was a lot of work. All the men said, it was a lot of work, you know. But I tell you what, praise God. I remember when Brian uh, Yoder brought Brian Wilson, he sat back there in the back, and he was ticked at Brian Yoder. Brian Wilson was mad at him because he thought he had set him up. Well, he kind of had. You know, I mean, because it, uh, Brian Wilson was in the uh, construction business, which is what Brian was in, and he kept inviting him and inviting him and inviting him, and I think probably out of courtesy, he said, ah, yeah, all right, I guess I will. But he got back there, man, and when the first chord was struck in the music department, God began a process in that man and changed his life forever, and he got saved. Amen. Glory to God. You know, so I'm talking to you about, you know, things that we do and decisions that we make, even though sometimes it's really hard. For those of you that parent, for those of you that have homes, and you know, you're holding a standard of righteousness within that home, and it's not always easy. There's, 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 there's no denying it, that there are challenging and difficult times that as parents we have when we have to say, you know what, as for us and our house, we're going to serve God. We're going to do what's right. Praise God, they'll thank you someday. Are you listening to me? I was with Daryl Sparr and, and his wife, uh, Carrie, you know, because they got a son, Wyatt, that's going to be graduating. And uh, he was talking about Grant. And he was talking about the fact that, you know, uh, that Daryl made his son work. His, his son wanted, you know, uh, he wanted a, a phone. Cell phone. He said, I ain't buying you no phone. I, you know how parents are. I didn't have a phone. You don't need one. You know. He said, you want a phone? He said, you go to work and get yourself a phone. Well, that's what he did. He got a job working for the Apple Gates. You know, worked all summer long and got himself a phone, if that's what you want. You know, you ought to teach your kids to work. Did I say that already? It seems to be a theme, common thing, theme. Don't give them everything they want. Otherwise, they'll live with you for the rest of their lives. Okay, well, anyway, I said I wasn't going to get off on that, you know. <clears throat> what was I talking about? I was talking about doing the right thing, making the right decisions on the road to the will of God for your life. And sometimes those aren't easy. They're difficult. And the thing about it is, is that, you know, um, all of us, I mean, perhaps, you know, in your lives, there's some point or place where a resolve has had to be exercised where your life is concerned to say, no, we ain't going to do that. You know, are you listening to me? I can look across the congregation here and I can tell you stories about all kinds of people 
who made righteous decisions and it really set the course for God's blessing in their lives. I could also talk to you about people who maybe didn't, write, didn't make that right decision and they're having some challenges and they're having to deal with the consequence. But thank God, I tell you what, you can never go wrong saying yes to him. Let me say that again. I said you can never go wrong saying yes to him. When he spoke to me on that couch on Monday night in my living room about starting this church, I said, I do not want to do that because it was socially unacceptable. And I was married to a woman whose, whose parents had great prominence in the church that we were in. That's going to go over big. By the way, we're starting another church. Now she's gone to be, to, uh, be with Jesus and is in heaven. But when my mother-in-law, when we got done with that conversation, you know, she never spoke to me for six weeks. She wouldn't even look at me. She wouldn't have anything to do with me. Are you listening to me? Now, I don't know what happened. I think Jesus visited her. I don't know that. I'm going to ask when I finally get a chance. But it was like, it was like, it was like darkness to daylight, where all of a sudden it's like a, a, a switch got flipped, and you would have never known that I had embarrassed, and that's really what it was. They, they, they thought, you know, what are people going to think? My daughter and son-in-law, he's half crazy. I know that already, but they're going to go do this. But something, I don't know, something happened, and she just changed. I mean, it could be she may have said, you know what? It is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm not going to live, you know, with a messed up heart. I don't know. I'm glad it changed. And, you know, over the years, and, and, and God gave us a prophecy back then. He said, not only will they agree with what you're doing, but one day they'll become a part of it. And we held on to that because we were in a hard spot. You know, how many of you know hard spots can come? But listen to me, you guys. Don't ever quit. And don't ever concede. Stay with what it is that you know is right. Because God wants to bless you. There may be some, some uh, discomfort or whatever. And usually it's found within the context of relationships and things like that. But stay the course. You don't have to be mean-spirited. You don't have to be adversarial. But I tell you what, praise God, you need to stand your ground. I remember that, that time, uh, talk a little bit more about it, but, you know, trying to explain to someone your heart, and they didn't see it. They said, what's wrong with our church? What's the, you know, I mean, they were angry. And I said, we're not doing this to ever try to embarrass you. We're only trying to do it because we believe that this is something that God has placed within our heart. Okay? Well, sometimes that's hard you know, for people to get their head wrapped around. But I'm glad we obeyed God. Amen? Forty-some Amen? Amen. years later, here we are. Amen? And God's good. Now, if Jesus doesn't come, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next 40. But I don't think we're going to make it that far. Huh? Could be September. You know, the truth is, to bring this to a close, that when we choose to follow God's plan, there's, there is always great reward that awaits us. You know, sometimes it takes a while to see it, but it'll come. So I want to encourage you, praise God, to be the people that are chasing after Him, 
choose. Let's choose His plan for our lives. Amen? He said, if you seek, you'll find. If you ask, it'll be given. If you knock, God will open the door to you for your life. Let's be committed to following His divine purpose for us. If it means being the best dad you can be, then let's be the best dad. If it's to be the best mother, let's be the best mother. If it's to be whatever it is that we have within our lives, God, what would you have me to do? You know, because he created you and I for a divine purpose, and we need to follow him. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we love you today, and we thank you for your grace that is upon each and every one of us and upon our homes and families. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for what it is that you've done and what it is that Jesus provided for us so that we could live. God, help us as people, Father God, to be followers of you, not the world, not blind ambition, not, our, not even our own. But God, I ask you to speak to, one, to each and every heart. Hmm. Guide us, Father, in the way in which you would have us to go. Lead us in the path that brings blessing to us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, glory to God. I just want to give us all an opportunity to respond to him this morning in our hearts. Hallelujah. Why don't you just pray this prayer with me? Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, not my will, but your will be done. Help me, Lord, to see your way and the way you would have me to follow. Thank you, Lord, for your grace in my life. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for what you're going to do. Heavenly Father, make me a blessing to the world in which I live. And I thank you for your grace that enables me to do it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise God. Why don't you bow your heads one more time and uh, so as not to take anything for granted. If you happen to be here this morning or you may be watching by internet and you've never made a decision to receive Jesus Christ, then I want to give you that opportunity. That really wasn't our subject today, but he is coming again. He's coming for his bride. He said, if I go, I will come again and receive you to myself. So my question to you, friend, is, is do you know him in a personal way? Is he your Lord and Savior? And if not, I want to give you the opportunity to pray a simple prayer and let your heart agree with that prayer and let Jesus become real to you as a person. So while every head's bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around. If you're here today, you've never made the decision, but you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? Can I see your hand wherever you may be? We're not here to embarrass you at all. We're, we're here to help you if you've never made that decision. Those of you that are watching by internet, if you've never made a decision to receive Christ, the Bible says today is the day of salvation and now is the accepted time. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Recognize that he loves you, cares for you, gave his life for you so that you could have life 
but it, 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 it's up to you. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not fate. It's not predestination that God chooses some and not others. The choice is yours. And so as a congregation, would you all pray this prayer with me? And perhaps there are those that are watching that can pray. And praise God by that, receive him. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So if you happen to be someone that's out there and you did pray that prayer, we'd love to hear from you. You can call our office or you can go to myfc.info and just let us know about the decision that you've made. We've got a number of different things that we'd love to place within your hands to help you get started in your relationship. So we hope that you'll do that. And again, thank you for joining us here today. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came to church.